This is the Small Business Big Marketing Show with Tim Reid and Luke Moulton. This show is lovingly put together for small business owners by small business owners to get practical ideas about attracting more customers more often. So, if you're serious about building your business, strap in for the ride. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Luke. Timo, Timo, Timo. That is a very big surprise, Lucas. <laughs> Just thought we'd mix it up a bit, Timo. Oh, you are. You're in a crazy mood, aren't you? Yeah, you're a bit, you're a bit uh, taken aback, aren't I you? I was, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Small Business Big Marketing. Thank you. <laughs> what is it? Small Business Big Marketing is Australia's number one marketing podcast, Timo. Yeah, it is. It, it is. is. And we welcome our listeners from Flying Solo, Australia's little community is quite a big community. It uh, is. Solopreneurs and micropreneurs yeah. and all yeah. those things. Come now, on, mate. Uncross your arms. Take I've, a few deep breaths. I was a bit taken aback. Just put you out there, haven't I? Hey? Yeah, I have. You know, you've swapped roles. <laughs> uh, now, Lukey, you've Do got I? a shaved head looking a picture, raised money. Thank you to all our listeners yeah, for donating money to Luke's Leukemia Foundation Fundraising drive. Yeah, world's greatest shave. Probably could that be a good uh, opportunity to at, at some stage to have a chat about their marketing, Timbo. Well, Lucas, doing a wonderful job as a charity, Lucas, Timbo. You don't know this, but about six months ago, I ran a killer innovation session for them. Wow! Hey, uh, there you go. There you go. There you go. Um, you do know your stuff. It is. It's good. It's a good. Um, it's a good charity, and they they market themselves very well. And uh, you look ridiculous. So for our, inter- for, our <laughs> for our international listeners, and we, uh, we actually had a question come in from Canada, Tim, yeah. during the week. Yeah. Um, for our international listeners, uh, there is a, a leukemia foundation here in Australia. And leukemia. And they, uh, every year they do the world's greatest shave and they encourage people to raise money uh, and then shave their head. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get a lot of generous supporters. I only started marketing on the Friday before I did the shave. So in, in, in a matter of uh, a couple of hours with uh, a few emails sent yeah. out, Timbo, I was able to raise about um, $1,300. Well so done. Thanks very much to, You're um, keep it that way? to people. No. No. Uh, no, no, no. I was, I was probably lucky to be let in the house when I got <laughs> you, home, Timo. You're going to go through that fluffy that's stage. It's not, not the man I married, uh, I think was the comments, but anyway. Righto. Now, Lucas, uh, listen to question from Old Hawaii Bakery. Yes. A great name from Miriam. Um, we have got the Hey Prof. He's tackling a big issue. Big issue. Big it's issue. A big academic issue. And we've got a guest today who is the creator, the manufacturer and the marketer of a very high-end spirit. 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 As in alcohol. As in alcohol. So, uh, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Not a spiritual kind no. of spirit, but an alcoholic spirit. Yes. So that's uh, all good. So let's get stuck in, Louie, to this first question, or to the question from Miriam, who is the owner of Miriam's Old Hawaii Bakery. Yes. I'd love to know a bit more about the, the, the thinking behind the naming of that, but we don't have the answer to that right now. All I know is I've been to a Facebook page, and I've got to say... It is beautiful food. Yeah, I, 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 I have just fed you, Timbo, and uh, I think you're hungry again. Oh, mate, she has got these Fuji apple pull-aparts. She's got these beautiful shots of breads and cakes and all that stuff. She says, congratulations on being Australia's number one marketing podcast. I so enjoy your enthusiasm and informative information. Isn't that nice? That is lovely. Um, question. Thinking I want to slow down a bit in production as I'm getting older, but still would like to somehow continue the business in some way so that it can continue to make money for me as long as I want without being so heavily involved, both physically, mentally, and financially. 
I understand that being an absentee owner is not a good idea. Now, that's a bit of a business question, Lucas, which I know you've got a thought on. What is it? Yeah, look, I think it's a, it's a big challenge, and I think a lot of small business people who have who are have a successful small business and would like to step away from it do struggle with this question. Um, I, probably one word: systemize, uh, which is which is probably challenging, Miriam, for you. It looks like you put a lot of love into what you do. Um, certainly, by looking at the looking at the Facebook page, your products are absolutely beautiful. So, I imagine a lot of um, blood, sweat, and tears go mm. into your product. Mm. Um, but if I can probably recommend that you have a read of three three books, three three, three of my favourite right. business books. Um, first, firstly, the E Myth Revisited. It's all about basically getting your business to a stage where it could be franchised, and really it's all about systemization. Uh, number two is built to sell. Uh, you right. want, want about is it too late for that? No, I don't think so. No. Once again, it's, I think it's all about systemization, or right. it is all about systemization yeah, as well. Uh, not, not suggesting that you want to sell your business, but it's getting your business to the stage where essentially someone someone else can take over. So, for example, a manager in your business can easily take over and all the systems and processes mm-hmm. and documentation are in place. Uh, and and the, the third one, which um, I, I listened to a while ago, and I, and I can't give you the... the the summary, but it's called the knack. I, I just um, I've been, was going through my list of books, and it's a good I, band I, I remember London in the nineteen eighties. <laughs> that was a good one as well. So, so check out those books. I think they'll certainly help you. Um, can I can I give business. a different spin on it? Uh, I know that she's kind of her question is about how to get off the tools but keep the bakery running. Yes, looking at Miriam's Facebook and what she does, and there's a clear passion for food. She's obviously very good at what she does, Luke. Mm. Um, I reckon, and she look, I've seen some photos of Miriam, um, and she looks like a real nurturer. Yes. someone who has got a lot of great content to share with other bakers, hey? Indeed. So what I'm thinking is, while she gets off the tools at Old Hawaii Bakery, <clears throat> she gets on the tools and creates potentially an information product that teaches other bakers how to go about running a successful bakery. She could, I reckon she should write a book. Actually, she could write a book. Recipe and, book? Uh, no, maybe a book about running a bakery. Hmm. A small niche bakery. I mean, it is. I mean, it looks like what it is. Um, the, the, um, how to make good dough. I had to say that. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, um, he's here but, for another 30 minutes, folks. <laughs> Get used to it. <laughs> That's right. But um, so she could become the bakery coach. Yep. Um, write the book, bit of a speaker circuit, really niche. Like, not trying to build an empire out of that, but actually just become known as the go-to person for other bakers. Um, you know, Tom O'Toole, who um, started Beechworth Bakery, kind of owns that high-end space, but she could own it from a kind of niche space as to how yeah. to go about to creating small, successful bakeries. Interesting you mentioned that too, Timo. Yes. A book that we mentioned in uh, our upcoming interview uh, is uh, is the story of forty two below vodka? Yeah, and yeah. It, it's a, basically it's a business book, but interspersed between the chapters um, are essentially cocktail recipes. Nice, it's a nice. Yeah, so there's a yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm Miriam would have a a lot of knowledge to share. So that is it, Miriam. Thanks so much for the question. Love it. Love getting listener questions. We've got a lot of listener. We've got questions a lot of listener up. questions, and thank you very much for sending them in. We uh, we. We don't always get to every one of them, but we certainly we do try to respond in person as well. Lukey, Timo, the prof. Hey, prof! What is simultaneous media consumption? As the name implies, it's simply the process of consuming more than one media at the same time or simultaneously. A classic example of that might be watching TV while using an iPad or checking email 
on your computer while watching digital TV. How has this come about? Well, because we've been spoiled for choice. You know, if you go back a generation, there were only two or three mainstream media types. Today, there are over 40 different types of media, and that excludes all the various channels on any one medium. So you really are faced with a, a multiplicity of different choices. We call this media fragmentation. Um, but what one of the things, talking about fragmentation, one of the things that simultaneous media consumption has led to is known as attention fragmentation. People, I don't think we've become smarter, but yet we are trying to divide our attention across a range of sometimes competing interests. Um, and in and of itself, I guess this means that the quality of attention we're giving to any one medium has to deteriorate. Um, to some extent, this phenomena is more of an issue with younger people, uh, the group that are sometimes referred to as digital natives. Um, and there's a theory to explain how people do this. Older people, perhaps we could call them digital immigrants, are typically what are called monochronic information processes. That is, they can best give their attention to only one topic at a time. But younger people, Gens X and Y, seem to be able to split their attention across a range of different activities. And this is called polychronic information processing. Um, is it good or bad? You know, I'm not, I'm not prepared to make that call. It's a fact of life. It's, it's the environment that we live in today. We have media fragmentation. We have simultaneous media consumption. And in response to that, our attention is fragmenting. In reality, it makes the marketer's job even more difficult. It makes, the, the, it makes getting the customer's attention even more of a challenge. And if anything, I think it, it makes the role of integration even more important. Simultaneous media consumption, Lucas, was what that was all about. He's so highbrow, isn't he? He's highbrow, but he's good, and he he's explains good. it in a way. Well, he, he actually, there's a couple of big phrases in there that I, <laughs> I reckon even his students at the university have a meltdown with. That said, we are going to tackle that subject head on in our next episode because we have got Australia's biggest ever, ever media buyer, Harold Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, Order of Australia type fellow, you know, badge on lapel, yep. uh, who we are going to interrogate further about that whole concept of people no longer concentrating on the big media and spending more time on their smart devices and hopefully listening to podcasts. That's next episode. But right now, Hannah. Hannah. Strom. How good. Oh, that's hey? good. So good. She, she started a business from scratch. She's she knows exactly what she wants to get out of it. She, mm. she said she's there to build an empire. Yeah, I love these sorts of interviews, Timo. They're very very inspiring. So similar to uh, Mornington Brewery. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, obviously alcohol, but yeah, yeah. but just it's, I guess just taking a risk and um, and you know betting on yourself and, and going out there and doing something you're passionate about. Exactly. So we started off by asking Hannah, "What is Strom?" Hannah. Holhoek, I hope yes. I got that right. Welcome to Small Business Big Marketing. 
Thank you very much. Good to be here. Good to have you on, Hannah. It is a pleasure having you. That's Luke over there in case you can't see it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, great picture, Luke. I like it. I like the smile. It's, it's cute. Oh, thank you very much, Hannah. Do you know, since that picture was taken, Hannah, he's gone and shaved his head for Leukemia Foundation. For the world's oh, greatest what? shave. Yeah. yeah. No, my uh, wife was very unimpressed. <laughs> I don't blame her. Hey, Hannah. Yes. What's Strom? Strom. Um, basically, I mean, I mean, Strom is is a Czech national spirit. Um, it's it's actually a spirit that's kind of been around since uh, eighteen hundred, so it's got quite a big heritage behind it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was actually founded by. This is a really long story. I probably haven't got time to talk about <laughs> it or on the radio. Well, what I'm interested, <laughs> tell, tell me before you tell us a bit more of that story is Strom is your brand name. Or is it the generic name for the category of liquor? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, Strom is definitely a name that we created and uh, that we have rights for, which is is in Australia. Mm -hmm. So Strom actually means the word tree in the Czech language. Um, And uh, the reason we called it that is because the extract from the European beech tree, obviously, is what the main ingredient in our product is. But at the same time, it's kind of a recipe that's being passed down through generations of our family, so kind of a family tree. That's why the tree and the strong um, mm-hmm. came about. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, so, Hannah, can you tell us how, uh, what, what inspired you or how did you come up with the idea to make uh, a fairly premium liquor in Australia from an old Czech recipe? Tree. Yes. <laughs> Actually, it's it's quite an interesting story because it was never in my intentions to be in the liquor industry. Uh, my passion's always been more in the health and wellness. And uh, my background was also about eight years with a um, wellness company from Austria. And it was more or less um, also a passion of mine was aviation. So anything to do with helicopters was 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 my life. But um, it was more basically. So hang on, hang on. Let's just stop there. You've gone from yeah. uh, health and well-being to go going. You know what? Eight yeah. years of that. I think uh, I think I'll just get people drunk and send them off in helicopters. <laughs> well, funny enough, I'm actually involved with a uh, EMS sort of company, which we supply all aeromedical and TRS, all the stretches, everything medical into an aircraft, and at the same time, I'm involved with uh, with liquor. So yeah, <laughs> great. Anyway, back to your story. Uh, keep going. Yeah. Okay. So um, basically, it was it was a recipe we've had in my family since since uh, obviously a very long time ago, and uh, it was more or less something we wanted to make just to drink. Uh, and obviously, my parents have a bit of a passion for for drinking. <laughs> it's, <laughs> right. it, to say, being Eastern European, it's it's kind of part of your you know your diet. I think drinking, and so we wanted to make it. And uh, at the same time, I was actually looking for my own venture. I always wanted to create my own brand and. And it was my parents' dream that wanted to make the drink. It was my dream to have my own brand. So we kind of actually, you know, combined it cool. together. And uh, and I thought, you know, I'm going to pursue your dream, making making Strom, which back then wasn't called Strom. It was, it was you know, still our national spirit. And, and my intentions was to create more of, you know, my own sort of lifestyle, which I could kind of lead my own life coming back from a corporate background and working, you know, 17-hour days for someone else wasn't my ideal sort of lifestyle. Not fun. So that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of where it started. 
So you can t- tell us, Hannah, it's, I'm, I'm really always interested to hear about product development and how people go about taking an idea from an idea to market. You know, was was yeah. the first, I mean, obviously you were able to to make um, this, uh, do we call it a liqueur or do we call it a, a just a... Yeah, it's, it's a spirit. It's spirit. a spirit. It's actually, a matter of fact, today it is being judged in the uh, San Francisco Spirit Awards, which are nice. the most great. Spirit was in the world, so yeah, I'm kind of like almost tense this morning, going yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, t- so I, I guess what I'm interested to hear was you, you and your parents were able to make this spirit uh, in the kitchen. How did you take it from the kitchen to being something that could be, I guess, commercially bottled? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the one of the things we run, I think, in my family is is, is perfection and. Uh, but what we did is we definitely started in a very small scale and I didn't really want to um, start in, in major premises or anything like that. And I was living in Victoria at the time and, and I knew sort of to start it, I'd be going back to Queensland, which is where I've lived quite a few years. And my husband wanted to move back here. So I actually gave up my own house to turn it into production. And I kind of moved out in, into literally a shed on a property so I wouldn't have any overheads because I knew the risk I was about to take and see how we go. And so what we actually did, the way we set it up, when we had um, liquor licensing and councils come out to give us approvals, they're actually very impressed that it pretty much looked like a science lab walking into into the place and uh, we're very sort of uh, very unique in, in a way that we want to make sure perfection's there. But as far as what your question is, product development, um, I knew that the Australian market was so entirely different to the European market, of course, especially Eastern Europeans, um, drinking culture. I don't know. Have you guys actually been to Czech Republic? I have actually. I've been to Prague about eighteen months ago, and uh, oh, I thought it was an absolutely beautiful place. Yeah, definitely. I mean, drinking drinking's a big thing, and they know how to drink really well, and they drink very <laughs> very strong spirits. They're, they're um, Olympic. They're Olympic standard drinkers, by the sound. Yeah, right? exactly. Did, did, you, did you wake up in the morning and your parents go, "Hara, drink this, make your strong." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, growing up, you know, you got a stomachache, you should have some alcohol. And, you know, I feel <laughs> have some alcohol, and you know, I'm actually an extremely health conscious person. So, if um, basically I knew if I was going to get into the industry, I took about twelve months just to do product research. Um, I tried to learn everything I could about the liquor industry. I talked to everyone that was influential, that knew a lot about the industry or was successful within it. I, I took probably a lot of months just in, in product research to see what was more appealing to the Australian market. So one of the first thing that we did is we definitely reinvented the recipe and made it more smoother and more mellow. Um, the original version is definitely quite potent. So, we yeah, definitely what we did is we actually used grape spirit um, from Barossa Valley, which we distill five times. So, that actually makes it so much smoother to actually drink and uh, appeal to this market. So, is this, are you literally in, in your little shed with uh, with a home brew still uh, or, you know, we, was this a, a more of a upmarket little chemistry lab that you're working your way at, working out on the recipe, distilling day in, day out? What were the early days like? Yeah, definitely. Um, Probably the most challenging part for me was the whole uh, getting my head around distilling and, you know, water and chemistry. It's definitely not something I enjoyed and uh, it it definitely took its toll of, you know, having to study it and really get to know it. And now I'm at a point where I don't have to be involved every day and I can just focus on what I love, which is marketing. But uh, back then, definitely, you know, you've got to understand every little 
part of it. And so sitting there for weeks on end, just looking at waters and the and the and obviously the hardness or softness of water and how it can actually blend with with water, which has got to de- be demineral demineralized to blend. So there was a you had a big learning curve. Did you have any any explosions? No, no. <laughs> no. Water's not that water's not that flammable really, is it? And alcohol is. <laughs> alcohol yeah. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my understanding is the distilling yeah. process <laughs> the distilling process, when you first distill, you know, it's something that's sitting at around about ninety six percent alcohol. Yes, it is. Um, and what we do is we actually do our distilling in South Australia and then we do the blending bottling process here on the Sunshine Coast. So I've definitely um, had and to this day have absolute experts in this field. So, you know, I'm there, but uh, luckily I'm not the one that's totally in charge when it comes to explosions and things like that. <laughs> so so how, did you, how did you go from um, deciding that you've perfected the recipe in your garage to mm-hmm. what sounds like, did, did you then outsource the production of the, the spirit? Yeah, so, I mean, at the point I knew we, we had a product that was definitely um, marketable and we could sell it was was taking it to hundreds and hundreds of people, obviously for tasting, um, all age groups, different places, whether it was tour party or two businesses or all sorts of places, which now suddenly I had, you know, a list showing 99% of the people actually really liked it. So that was the point where I went, okay, fantastic, let's, let's, let's make this happen and let's start getting it on the market. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of interested to to know or to understand how you found how you, how you went out and found someone to to produce it for you from taking it from your I guess let's say uh, shit home, in the woods shit, shit in the woods to to actually yeah, having well, we, it. <laughs> we actually pretty much still do, and uh, all we're doing different is is um having down in South Australia is actually fantastic distilleries, and their liquor licensing down there is brilliant. Queensland's a little bit little right, bit tough. Backward. Right. Yeah, so that sort of process is down there. But but the major part in the blending, which is actually where a lot of the secret of the recipe is, is all still done here in Queensland on the Sunshine Coast, exactly where I'm sitting right now. Ah, so, I see. Yeah, so we, we do that. And uh, so basically we've got a team of people when, I mean, production is on, it's on, and uh, it's pretty intense sometimes. But, uh, yeah, definitely it's all done um, up here. Hannah, you, um, so what are we talking per bottle? Is it, is it $110 a bottle? Uh, yep, 110. Yeah, there are 750 mil yeah, bottles. Beautiful bottle, absolutely beautiful bottle. We'll put a we'll put a photo of that bottle in our show notes so you can see. But it really okay. is beautiful. So <laughs> let's talk marketing. Um, yeah, you've got yeah, a premium. So you've got a premium product. It's it's high end. Uh, it is people. It's not as if people will go. Oh, I know what that tastes like. You know, it's not like you got bourbon or vodka or gin or something where people know what it tastes like. So they're going to be taking a risk in buying their first bottle probably before they venture into it so how have you gone about marketing it on what I guess will be a modest budget Definitely. I mean, yeah, I, I'm with you there as far as the budget goes, you know, our marketing budget, what marketing budget. Um, it was definitely probably the, the most challenging part is like exactly what you said is, okay, you've got a product that no one knows what it tastes like. So for someone to spend $110, um, definitely they need to know what it's like. So the first initial thing that I've definitely spent in the first year was trying to get it into as many people's mouths as possible. And uh, whether it was through tastings, through bottle shops, through bars, through different different parties absolutely everywhere I could possibly do that but also very much so to a lot of influential people probably only the top 10 bartenders of the country 
um, was my first initial point where I went, okay, these guys need to taste it because when obviously they like it, um, they will definitely want to use it. That means every other bar will just start to follow and then obviously the public will drink it as well. So obviously marketing something so unique can be challenging, but uh, for me it was it was the exciting part. Um, I think, the, you know, the more harder it gets, kind of the more challenging it is and the more determination you seem to have behind it. So, so from the from the outset, you, what we call, we've, we've had, we've done a couple of interviews on this strategy, Lukey, seeded, you seeded some opinion leaders within the industry. Is that right? You've gone and given them some grog. That's right. Yeah, cool. And that, it, it, literally. <laughs> so Hannah, how, how did you get in front of those most influential bartenders? Hmm. How did you, how did you get to them? Um, quite easily. I mean, one one of the one of the great things is uh, we have a bar show every year. Um, it's actually a very dangerous event. It goes for about a week, and uh, I mean, all you're doing is is, is drinking. And so, gosh, your parents must have been so proud of you to do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Keep drinking, Hannah. Keep drinking. Sounds like a boys' weekend, actually. Yeah, no. Funny know. enough, I always, I always take people with me along. And actually, one of the years I took my mum. So every time <laughs> you're doing the tastings, I'm very quick to uh, pass the drink on to someone else as well. So I'm still in control and know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, that's what I'm there for. But um, I mean, one of one of the one of the things I know I've always done in my life is, you know, if, if I want to know something, I'll just go ask. So it doesn't matter. If it's, if it's, you know, the average person or if it's, you know, the prime minister or whoever it may be, the best bartender, you just pick up the phone, you always find a way and you just ring them, talk to them, you know, and start a relationship, become friends and, uh, you know, and it's amazing how much you learn from them. I mean, one thing I had no idea about was this entire bar industry, um, you know, bartenders, um, the whole mixology, it's such a fascinating industry because, I mean, these these bartenders are, are amazing and, and in the way they're amazing, I mean, they're creative, they're, they're they're artists in their field and they really understand what they're doing. They're working, you know, with molecular mixology. They're working with different spirits. They combine and, and you know, you spend a little bit of time around them and you just actually completely just it's inspired what, 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 what can things, be you, done. One of the things you touched on, I think it's a really important point because I don't think enough small business owners do this. You, you, so you, you are a big advocate of picking up the phone. Doesn't matter who it is you yep. want to get into contact with, um, and and, and make effort to get in contact with them. Um, we find that with the show. I mean, we have very few people who say, um, "Oh no, I don't want to be interviewed." Um, but how do you? On what premise do you? contact these people i mean it is not it's not easy cold calling and just saying oh you know can i speak to such and such because i kind of <laughs> want to pick their brain what's your strategy um strategy i mean I, I think one of my my strengths is is networking um so you know we find out whatever's going on within this industry um whether it's a high profile event or anything i'm there and um there's always easy ways to get into just about anything you want to get to and if i know i've got you know the biggest managing director of my hennessy or diageo or that you know drinks trade um direct um editors of the of the magazines i'm there talking to them having drinks with them and probably the most business i do is, is literally over martinis and at, at a lot of events so but in in a sense of the phone calls um you know if i know someone if you, it's, it's, I think it's, it's confidence. Um, you know, when you pick up the phone, you're basically demanding talk to that person as soon as possible, and uh, you'll get put through like immediately to the top of the person that you that you're chasing straight away. And yeah, and before you know it, they're always actually there to help. And uh, one of my biggest mentors, who I actually haven't met, I'm dying to meet, is Jeffrey Ross. 
and uh, he started 42 Below Vodka. I'm sure you guys know. I was, um, I have, I have his book <laughs> sitting right in front of me, Hannah. And I was just going to ask you uh, <laughs> if you'd actually taken. Funny some you ins- say that. You, 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 <laughs> I was going to ask you if you'd taken some inspiration from, uh, from yeah, Jeff, Jeff you, Ross. You probably can't see, but I'm holding that book right now too. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's it's like my bible. It's absolutely amazing. And what I love about this. Go on, Hannah. So basically, yeah, I mean, you know, the book, Every Bastard Says No, is what really got me. And uh, it was actually my girlfriend said, you know, have you seen this book? It's come out. And she actually, um, you know, got on, got me onto it. And uh, the first thing when I read it, Every Bastard Says No, I'm like, that is so true because, you know, wherever I went, it was like the no, 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 you know, we're like the way things are, we don't need to change anything. So basically I thought that this is so true and picked up the book and and I think I've read it like 30 times over. Sorry, our listeners know what we're talking about. This is a book written by a fellow who started 42 Below Vodka. 42 Below Vodka. In New Zealand and uh, the the uh, basically cutting to the chase to the end of, well, not the end of his story, but he sold 42 Below for $138 million New Zealand dollars to Bacardi. That Bang. is correct. Yeah. That is correct, um, and that's just ten years later, selling in twenty four countries, and uh, started in a in a garage also with just an idea. And uh, he did exactly the same. It was exciting reading it. He actually uh, moved into a shed himself as well, to to so he wouldn't have the overheads. And he had a Land Rover, which is funny enough because so do I. And so a lot of the things like, I kind of related to. And then as I read on, where where you know where he outsourced his bottles and and screen printing, it was like, geez, I wish I read this before I actually spent my one year. At trying to figure out where to, where to get everything. But uh, amazing story, very, very incredible. Hannah, well, t- tell me, uh, okay, so you, you got out there, you got in front of opinion leaders, um, you got yourself a website and Facebook, and we might talk about that in a minute. What what, what, mm-hmm. other, what other, what are your main, what are your sort of top three marketing initiatives these days to get strong yep. out there? Um, definitely like marketing yourself. You've got to be out there everywhere. Um, that's the one of the biggest ones I've, I've noticed is, um, if you're out there and you're doing everything, it, it's definitely going to work. Um, I brand myself. I mean, everything I just about wear is, is strong. You guys can't probably see right now, but definitely wearing strong, like head to toe. And, <laughs> and, it's, you know, we, we've got everything, we're everything down to lingerie and strong. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we sponsor Miss Brillesque, and so there's a lot of bits stuff what? there. Miss Brillesque. Um, so oh, you went over that re- the other week. So um, hang on, I just want to understand that. So there's a whole. Hannah, what you don't understand is my co-host is very easily excitable. No, so. Luke, this is interesting <laughs> stuff. This is a merchandising strategy. Yes, if you now, want to call it that, yeah, right, now, go ahead. <laughs> so, so Hannah. You, you've got, so, you you've know, got I'm, strong. I'm, I'm unsubscribing. We're right all now. talking over each other now because we've we, we lost the plot. Um, tell us about your merchandising strategy, Hannah. Definitely. Um, so basically, I mean, you know, I, I love clothes. And uh, one thing I, I know is, is if you don't have the marketing budget to do massive billboards and, and all your advertising, you know, if, you, if you're wearing things strong, talking strong, my earrings are like strong earrings. Get and, out of here. So my bracelets and, you know, so is my car and uh, everything I do, my, you know, my iPad, the case, everything is, is strong branded. So that definitely has carried a long way, especially through my photos, which end up on Facebook, which I get like, you know, emails after emails of people wanting to purchase um, strong merchandise um, and everything from Brazil to Czech Republic to Switzerland to Alaska to Germany, just wanting my product simply by myself, branding myself so much. Okay, this is interesting. This is interesting. So tell me... Um 
What do you do? Do you print a quantity? Uh, do you run out? Have you got a, you got five hundred boxes of strong earrings sitting there and five hundred no, strong I t-shirts? Know, I or, what's that? <laughs> no, I, I more or less team up with you know certain small designers that I love their things, and uh, then we just get some strong branding on it. So I don't necessarily sell um, anything. It's it's what I wear, and you know if I if I like certain people, that I might um, give them some right. of the stuff as well. But part of, for example, we sponsored the World Heli Challenge last year, which was probably the most incredible event and an experience of my entire life and that basically was because it was kind of my dreams coming true combining you know the dream of strum um which has always also been my parents dream combined with snow in the mountains which which is my love and i grew up in the mountains in czech and my heart is in the mountains so that's where i want to end up and then of course helicopters which is something i'm a little bit too crazy about right so <laughs> standing on mountain peaks um obviously my my snow gear i've got this really cute little one piece um snowsuit which i've got totally strong branded my beanies all blingy strong as well and i had a lot of the girls in the gear as well we're you know top of a mountain six helicopters flying over our heads uh maybe drinking a little bit of strong <laughs> but um all collaboration and those photos are taken and red bull was there so before you know it this is kind of circulating uh, worldwide and it's amazing to spy yeah, yourself wearing your brand, how far it can actually go and how many people you can reach. So, Hannah, are you, um, are you obviously, by the sounds of it, exporting strong now? Yeah, uh, we're actually exporting in New Zealand. We launched that one last year on the 10th of June, which has definitely been something I was so excited about. It's I've, I, My heart's in New Zealand, so I spend a lot of time there. And so that's going exceptionally well. So being the whole winter there, that's obviously my ideal lifestyle. And uh, just got back from the US, which we're setting up the whole US export. It's, it is definitely a very challenging um, task, I think, getting liquor into the US, especially when you've got, you know, so many states and they're all run so individually and uh, the legislations are pretty, pretty tight. So, but I've got definitely great people that I'm, again, um, that are getting a lot of assistance. Our government is right behind me, which has been great support. And and there's a few different manufacturers um, also in New Zealand, Broken Shed Vodka, they've just actually they're a brilliant vodka brand and they've, they've just got into the US, same sort of process. So it's it's great, again, picking up that phone going, okay, how'd you guys do it? What did you do? And so next month is um, the Wine and Spirits Asia, which we have ready distributors to sit down and discuss about the entire Asian market. So, yeah, it's really exciting times. And I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, I'm, I'm in it to, to build an empire and see what's possible. And uh, I definitely want to take it every single place around the world. And, and my motto is actually keeping strum in the sky. So associating anything to do with, with aviation at the same time. And uh, it's it's coming together really well. So it's, well, What's the whole aviation? You love helicopters, but what's the aviation? Do you see avi- aviators as being like a key target audience? Uh, funny enough, actually, a lot of people within aviation sort of middle age are our exact market and they definitely like to drink. So um, there's definitely a way that, you know, that I have a huge market just within that area. Um, but then you've got things like which we're just teaming up now with the um, aerobatics challenge. So everyone that's, you know, um, doing these aerobatic challenges, you've always got after parties and that's where we're basically placing our product to to have the after parties and um, we've a lot of them drink, and uh, yeah, they're very much our market. So, tell me, Hannah, with your marketing, uh, besides every small business saying lack of budget, but um, what frustrates mm-hmm. you most about uh, your marketing now and going forward? 
what frustrates me? Um, good question. <laughs> probably, probably, I mean, uh, frustrating things, you know, can always tend to be when, when you suddenly keep seeing, you know, um, your major players and all your big distributors or, or in company that Corona that are obviously, you know, doing so extremely well, which have gotten massive budgets and, you know, they're given like $20, $30 million budgets per year to, to do that. So you're kind of going, okay, so, so what can I do better than that? And, you know, that can definitely have its frustrating moments of, of knowing, okay, so I can't afford it. At the same time, it actually gets you being a lot more creative. So it's almost a good thing as well because then you kind of find unique different ways. And, and as I always tend to say, you kind of um, like to always do the reverse to what most people or most companies are doing. So that's always, uh, that's always unexpected. So you kind of... Um, you're challenged by the whole the industry because it is such a monopoly yeah. at the same yeah. time. It's, it's got its benefits because it's, um, you know, you can be flexible, you can be a little bit more outside the box and and uh, you can get away with a lot more when you're not such a big structured corporate company. So, um, well, you but, certainly encapsulate the uh, the whole concept of small business, big marketing, that's for sure. Tell me, what, what, what role does social media play for Strong? So I'm um, huge. <laughs> That's definitely probably our biggest one when when it comes to having next to no uh, marketing budget. But social media is is fantastic because it allows me to you know share every adventure experience that Strom sort of is going on with thousands and thousands of people. And um, you know we definitely get a lot of orders through through Facebook, for example. Um, but um, it's it's such a fantastic tool, and uh, I, I have to you know. A lot of people look at me and go, gee, you're on that Facebook again. But uh, I find it just amazing. Um, and not, not to mention, not just as far as getting the brand out there, but I actually get so much feedback, you know, whether it's from bartenders about creating different cocktails or the public, what they want to see. And so I'm actually, you know, listening to a lot of it and, you know, then I can act on it and do something about it. So social media is, is just, yeah, one of the... So biggest- Facebook is your social media channel of choice, Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I use a bit of Twitter and, and LinkedIn and and a few others, but uh, Facebook is by far the biggest one, definitely. Well, I, think, I think that's great to hear and reassuring because I know a lot of our listeners, we get feedback going, oh, you know, how do I build thousands of followers or how do I get thousands of likes? And right mm-hmm. now, the strong Facebook has 793 likes and is clearly an effective marketing channel. So, you know, it just reinforces the fact that it's not about uh, quantity, it's about quality of the people yeah. that you're engaging. Definitely. I mean, people, people, you know, people love stories. And um, one thing, obviously, I've definitely noticed is I get a lot of followers personally from my actual page. And uh, that's because, you know, it's it, there's a person behind the brand, which people always relate to really well. So, you know, and I, I like to be able to sh- share my life with people. I think, you know, it's what it's about. I mean, a lot of people are, are funny about Facebook, you know, it's your personal life, but it's only what you put on there, really. So, you know, it's up to you. And um, there are so many great things in life. And one of one of the great ones was uh, last year we appointed the uh, Mike Bassich. I don't know if you've got guys heard of him. He's like the legend snowboarder, and uh, he basically stepped in as the international social responsibility ambassador. In other words, really promoting drinking responsibly. And uh, obviously, as as a legend as he is, he's from California, Lake Tahoe. 
Mm-hmm. It's got its own mountain out there. It's just mm-hmm. absolutely one of the most beautiful places you ever, you'll ever see. So, you know, we did a lot of branding with him, a lot of photography videos, and he was part of our World Heli Challenge. So, you know, this went all through Facebook and then that kind of rolled into so many different places. And before you know it, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people from around the world, from Alaska and US and France and Germany and, and New Zealand, everywhere were following it. And, you know, and that, that's kind of, you know, where you're generating so many people. So you're not there to sell your product, definitely not. You're there to kind of share a story with people on Facebook and that's how I see it. Hannah, what advice would you give to someone launching a brand new liquor product? Um, or brand new you, product even. It's going to say <laughs> liquor product, don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, adding the liquor and you're adding in, so much complications but at the same time this thing called excise we have in Australia which is extremely high and so you know a lot of you a lot of your money does go straight back to the government unfortunately but um you know with I think any any product it's it's got to be your passion it's got to be what you love and uh one thing I found I mean I I left a a corporate company with, with great lifestyle great money but it, what I do now is is far more rewarding than I've ever done anything my entire life. And I think it's because there's just so much excitement and determination. You know when you work so hard, um, it's so worth it because it, it is some building something, you know, you believe in, you dream of, and uh, you have a vision. So I think the first biggest one is actually definitely having the passion and the love for what you want to do because it is your life. Um you know, whatever, whatever you're going to get involved in. And, and it drives me crazy when you hear people going to you Monday morning that I start working. You're like, well, why do you do it? You know, you really got to do something you love because you're going to do it for a long time. But at the same time, really get knowledge. Like seriously, just read books, um, talk to people, do everything you can possibly do every minute of the day. Like I don't have TV. I threw my TV out years and years ago. Like literally I grabbed it and threw it out the window and it was like the best feeling because there's just so much rubbish on TV. And uh, then suddenly you find yourself, you know, at nighttime being able to do so much more with your life. And uh, Very that's good like- advice. Very good advice. Uh, we're speaking to a one of Australia, well, Australia's biggest media buyer uh, next. So uh, I'll let him know that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Hannah, we love to ask our guests, and um, you're going to struggle beating our last guest. We would like to ask our guests who the most famous person is they've ever met. Our last get, our last guest was... Uh, on speaking terms with the late Steve Jobs. Um, so uh, who's the most famous person you've ever met? Oh, my gosh. Um, the most famous person. <laughs> Please say I've... Oprah. Please say Oprah. <laughs> I met someone last night who had Oprah over for dinner. Oh, fair dinkum. At their house, yeah, in Melbourne um, when she came. Um, yeah. You know, it, 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 it depends how, obviously, you answer what um, – how you see who, yeah, yeah. Like, what, what is famous for? I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've spent a lot of time in LA and you see lots of movie stars which don't really mean a thing or two for me and I, you know, spent some time around Britney Spears. But the, probably for me, it's actually been our fantastic Australian legend, Mick Doohan, um, who I see a lot around the helicopter industry and uh, just got back from Dallas and, you know, sitting there having drinks with him around, you know, such an amazing athlete who's clearly got so much passion as well. That for me would be my most famous right. person. No, that's that's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty good, Luggy. Mick Doohan, yeah. motorbike you, rider extraordinaire. And yeah. have, you, have you actually met Jeff Ross? You know, I haven't. I haven't. I've been trying uh, to hunt that man down. So if you see him, can you please let him know? We're going to try and get him on the show. Great. Please cool. do. Hey, Hannah, absolute pleasure having you on Small Business Big Marketing. Thanks so much for sharing the Strom story. Uh, and uh, 
keep at it. Give us a, give us an update down the track. Oh, hang on, before you go, where can I, where can I buy a bottle of Strom, Hannah? Um, well, it depends where you're in Australia. I mean, best to jump on our website or send us an email and I can get you all the outlets um, around. But there's a, there's a lot of um, bottle shops and bars, places like the Hilton, Sofitel's, um, you know, if you're up in Queensland, the Emporium Hotel, um, there's a lot of outlets. So you're probably best to jump on our website and we've got pretty much most of the outlets um, listed there for every state, New Zealand and places like that. So, um, yeah, but, you know, if, if anyone's on Sunshine Coast, anytime, feel free to contact me and let's have a drink <laughs> together. Good on you, Hannah. <laughs> thanks very much, Hannah. No thanks worries. So thanks, much. guys, so much. Good Appreciate luck. Bye. It. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Lukey. Timbo. My biggest takeout of that fireside chat with Hannah. Takeaway. Is it? What did I say? Takeout. Takeout. <laughs> yeah. It's not Chinese. I see noodles. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. That's a late uh, episode. Yeah, I've got the munchies now. And you've spoken about all that alcohol. I don't drink. Do you drink? You drink. Yeah, you I love don't. a drink. Yeah, I don't mind a drink. Um, I'm a wowser. <laughs> you are a teetotaler. Um, live the life you're meant to live, Luke. Uh, a friend of mine, Jeez, a bit, uh, bit of a mentor, passed away this week, Jim Steins. Yes, and, indeed. Uh, on a documentary they aired this week, uh, following his passing, uh, the last thing he said in the doco was, live the life you're meant to live. And Hannah's doing that. Mm. Passion. She has passion. Sure does. She loves what she does. And it shows. And I just think that's grand. Yeah. And that's, Jim would have said that. He's grand. He's grand. A big Irishman. Yeah. Very inspiring. Very yeah. inspiring indeed. Yeah. So thank you, Hannah. Now, uh, Lukey, I just wanted to say that next week, big interview with Harold Mitchell. Yes. Now, uh, we get a lot of requests for uh, talks and people wanting to contact us for various marketing outcomes. So if you do, uh, would like us to come and talk to your team listeners uh, or give a keynote at an upcoming event, whatever it may be, um, needs to be around marketing. That would be the thing, <laughs> marketing or parenthood. Yeah, yeah not sure about the parenthood. <laughs> not sure about parenthood. Yeah. Um, send a, an email to questions at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com and we'd be only too happy to discuss how we can help in your business. Indeed. All Thanks right. for listening, guys, and we look forward to uh, catching up next time. Lovely. See you, guys. You've just come that little bit closer to getting your business booming thanks to the Small Business Big Marketing Show with Tim Reed and Luke Moulton. Please keep in mind that the information, opinions, and ideas expressed in this show are those of the hosts and interviewees and theirs alone, and they don't necessarily reflect those of their past, current, or future employers.